Welcome back to Market on Close. Time to talk overlooked stocks, the movers that you've missed in today's session. How did you miss these movers? George Tillis, thank you for keeping our viewer up to speed here. All right, let's start with Agrify. Is this a pot play? This is uh, like indoor, you know, uh, greenhousing and uh, watering, hydroponics. Like that seems like it's always connected to pot. It is. This is one of these other companies. Actually, interesting enough, uh, a little bit of a different variant here, but it is a commercialized indoor agricultural uh, systems company that includes, uh, you know, hardware like LED lights, grow medium, racks, uh, and of course, uh, all of that uh, stuff that uh, helps grow marijuana on an indoor basis, but they also include software. So this is sort of a, a technology-driven, uh, computerized precision environmentally controlled uh, marijuana system. And it's an interesting company that IPO'd uh, OJ about six uh, months ago or about uh, in January. It's up about 52% uh, and it actually reported earnings today and it's uh, it's been up considerably uh, over the last uh, week or so, up about 38%. But they actually showed some earnings and top line sales, particularly at around $11.8 million, up 203% on a year over year basis. And the company also reaffirmed guidance for uh, 2021 sales, somewhere between 48 and 50 million. Now, I think one of the things about Agrify, and when I actually researched the company, is their technology. Uh, uh, we always talked about the marijuana business in this sense that uh, it's commoditized. So you have so many different types of marijuana, so many different prices and variants. It's extremely difficult to, to maintain profitability in the actual product. But we also talked about uh, companies like Grow Generation OJ, which is actually a retailer, or if you will, the hardware store of the picks and shovels business associated with uh, growing marijuana. And if you look at Agrify, it really is a technology picks and shovel play on marijuana, kind of like Grow Generation, but Grow Generation focuses more on the retail and wholesale side uh, of that versus uh, the actual products in which Agrify produces. Mm, okay. So, I mean, this thing's gone totally, totally separate. And you're saying this is very fundamental. This yeah. is real, that departure from a uh, comparable business? Well, I, I think so, because if you look at the retail side of uh, in the marijuana business, I think the, the rate of change in terms of growth is not necessarily as robust right now. Grow Generation had done extremely well over the last couple of years. But I think it, you, know, you can look around and start picking some uh, particular names, in this case, Agrify, which actually is, from a technology standpoint, uh, has a value proposition. And I think that's one of the interesting things about it. They actually claim about five times higher yield at lower cost, including, of course, cost of energy uh, relative to some of their competitors. So that's a, volume, a value proposition. But the other thing is, considering the uh, guidance for this year at around 50 million on the high end, their actual sales guidance for 2022, I think, is actually conservative because they're guiding only 70 million in sales for fiscal year 22. And considering the uh, market cap as of today's close about 580 million, it's really only trading around five times sales, expecting now 85% year over year growth for, for 2022 versus 2021. So what I think is happening here is, is that the, uh, the considerations associated with net income losses, which should be narrowing, is why perhaps we're actually seeing some analysts like Craig Hallium up their price target to 32 from 25, because I think that the rate of change in sales for 2022 is under under um, reported by the company. Mm. But I think if they improve that and, and ratchet that to the upside, their net income loss projections will shrink faster and it'll become, huh. again, quicker in terms of profitability. 
All right, so you think that they might be kind of downplaying the potential here a little bit, it sounds like, uh, for yeah. the business. All right, uh, George, okay, let's go to the next one. Uh, interesting. Okay, at a time when uh, we were just talking pot stocks earlier, the pure cannabis plays are having trouble, but it, it's servicing a business that goes yep. beyond just that industry and is more kind of secular tech almost, just uh, uh, you know, better technology for growing things, um, wins out in this case. What about for beauty health skin? A really interesting business, George. We've uh, been talking about the stock a few times. Uh, it just went wild today. Yeah, so this was something we talked about uh, the beauty healthcare company, but we actually have talked about uh, InMode, which is a competitor of, of Skin. But basically, it's a personal uh, skin products, aesthetics-based company that actually provides not only product, but also services. Right. And that includes, of course, installations of their machines. Hydrofacial, you can get them at uh, Sephora, the makeup shop. That's right, and so that, that is part of the installations in which, of course, the beauty health company has. They've actually grown their installation base by about 3,000 units and, and, and installations relative to last year at 14, I'm sorry, uh, to 17,000 from 14,000, uh, which was at the end of 2019. So they've been growing, and I think this is the time of the year, not necessarily that people go get these procedures, but I think it's been time to consider the stock, and I think the performance kind of uh, represents the fact that as COVID is retrenched back, at the very least, since around the uh, the beginning of uh, springtime, we see a lot more application of folks going to uh, to take care of their uh, aesthetic needs, and that's where uh, the skin company comes into play. But they did report earnings uh, uh, today as well. The stock is up 103% year to date. They beat the estimates with about 65, $66 million in sales and that was up about 371% year over year. Now, compared to last year, you're gonna see a huge uh, base effect jump, which we did, but overall, I think what's happened here is, is they did report an operating loss of 26 million, which actually matched their SG&A expenses. So I think this is a situation where if you look at the total sales projections for the company, which are somewhere in the $200 million range uh, for, the, uh, for the remainder of fiscal year 2021, uh, the total addressable market is enormous. Uh, it's $149 billion currently, and it's, uh, it's expected to be $169 billion uh, by 2024. And this is a company that has increased the number of installations for their products, uh, of which 50% of their sales are consumables. In other words, they're, 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 they're thrown away and, of course, repurchased. But they actually are in 87 different countries. So I think this is a very interesting company that uh, is very unique in and of itself, but also... Uh, it seems to be there's a trend in the industry group. We talked about InMode as, uh, as one of these competitors, but overall the company is trading around 11 times 20, 2022 sales. And considering triple digit top line sales growth, one would say that maybe it's still considered um, underpriced relative to value. And with that said, DA Davidson, Canaccord, Piper Sandler, just to name a few of the outfits that upgraded stock today in terms of price targets and performance ratings. All right. Uh, nice, George. Uh, good report. Uh, this, the company is really moving now, uh, moving away from Allergan, uh, even uh, uh, obviously known for the Botox. So right. uh, we've had the CEO on for this company uh, over the last quarter. And I mean, look, it's clearly very, very much in demand. And uh, as people are you know, starting to go out again, got to look good, clear up the pores. People are shopping at Sephora for makeup. They stop off. They get this pretty luxe, expensive, uh, you know, I mean, look, uh, look, people spend whatever they want, uh, you know, on their parents, but it's not cheap. 
right? I mean, they've got pretty good margins on this thing. Uh, so apparently a pretty good yes. business to be in. Uh, George, you got one more for us. Stride, a very different type of uh, stock. This is e-learning. Uh, and the stock's been moving up off the lows. Uh, and for investors looking at the uh, Chinese uh, online learning stocks get blasted, yep. maybe it's time to move this trade home. Yeah, this one is a, is a U.S.-based uh, K-12 through online education company, OJ. They also provide other services like tutoring services, virtual classroom attendance. Uh, I think there's still going to be a secular trend for hybrid learning, both in class and, of course, uh, on an online basis. Stock is up about 67% year to date. Uh, we have to think of a, a couple of things that are going on right now. One, it's back to school season. Two, we just got a big infrastructure bill, which I'm sure if you dig through the thousands of pages of legal aids, there's a, there's a lot of funding that goes towards uh, K through 12 education programs. The other thing is back to work. And what I mean by this is that uh, Stride is actually a company that's moving uh, not just uh, through K through 12 or, or, or applying their technologies and services through, for K through 12, but also for, uh, for workforce training and career education training services. And I think that's another catalyst that the company needs to be considered for as well. But if you look at what happened from a, from a, from a GAP EPS standpoint, they beat the estimates by 11 cents at 25 cents and they came in with revenue of about 397 million, which was up about 48% year over year. And that's, uh, that's quite robust, uh, especially for a company that was already in demand around this time last year. So I think the comparisons are relatively um, uh, uh, right on. In other words, I don't, think, I don't necessarily think we saw a lot of variability in terms of COVID closures. In fact, there was higher demand last year, but the total enrollments for the quarter uh, were 175,000 and that was, uh, again, higher than the 119000 they had for the same quarter last year. Mm. But overall, uh, one of the things I wanted to point out is we've talked about Chegg, which is uh, yeah. an online education company that focuses more on textbook leasing. Yep. That company is actually down about 6% year to date. And I think what's happened here is if you compare the two uh, online education uh, companies in the same industry group, you have to look at uh, that at uh, at Stride. It's only trading around one-time trailing sales, uh, a billion and a half in market cap, and about a billion and a half in in sales. Has a lower lower gross margin profile, but free cash flow at 105 million for the quarter. If you divide that relative to the sales of 371, that's really robust. If you look at Chegg, it's got a bit better gross margin profile, but one of the challenges Chegg faces is valuation. Uh, it's trading at 15 times forward sales. So. I think there's a better value proposition being made here for uh, Stride, and I think that really speaks to why the stock performance has been relatively robust, up 67% year-to-date versus mm. Chegg's decline of about 6%. All right. Uh, nice, uh, George. Uh, like the uh, breakdown between these uh, different companies within the same sector. It's helpful to find these overlooked stocks and put them next to something we might recognize like a big you know, institution now in the online education space like Chegg. Seems like it's paying off to be uh, more nimble and more focused, too, specifically in uh, providing a service that uh, is changing rapidly in this uh, weird time, uh, this right. uh, COVID kind of hybrid period we're in. Not open, but not totally closed down. Nice work this week, as always, GT. Excellent stuff uh, on Thanks the earnings. Jay. Nice work all week uh, looking at some of these unknown earnings uh, for overlooked stocks.